Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, May 26th. 2021. This is Shannon, and I am here with Brooke and Kristen. And today we are talking about books set in places we'd like to visit. Um, we got partway through this recording only to realize that <laughs> there wasn't actually a recording. So we are starting again, and hopefully things will go a little better this time. <laughs> so I'm going to start us off as soon as we go through the usual housekeeping information followed by Kristen, and then Brooke. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So when I first planned this episode, I had all kinds of really great ideas about all the places that I was going to like, cover here. And then I realized that it wasn't as easy as I thought to find books set in all these places. So I, I kind of like flopped a little bit. Mm-hmm. However, my first book is The Invisible Husband of Frick Island by Colleen Oakley. This is set in a fictional place that I believe is based on a real location. So I cannot actually visit Frick Island, even though I wish I could. Um, but maybe one day I can visit somewhere like it. So this is a new book. At the time of recording, it has been literally out in the world for about a day. Um, I read an early copy, and I'm so, so glad that I did, because this is one of the most unique and charming books I've read in a long time. This is the story of Piper Parish, and Piper lives on this island, which is Frick Island, And it is kind of remote, kind of set, like you feel like you're kind of going back in time when you go there. There's not good internet access, cell reception, like practically doesn't exist. Um, So the only way you can really get information is if someone calls you on the phone or you get something in the mail. So it's very different from sort of how things work like in, you know, in contemporary life. Piper was married to a man named Tom who was lost at sea. Um, His boat was recovered, but his body was not. And this was really hard for Piper to deal with. So she decides that she just isn't going to deal with it. Instead, she's going to pretend that Tom is still with her. Like he's still right beside her. And so she does things every day that she used to do when he was alive. She walks with him down to the dock twice a day for him to go to work and when he comes home she meets his boat they go out for dinner to one of the local um restaurants on friday nights and she just 
lives as though Tom is, is with her. Not only does she do this, but the other residents of Frick Island also get caught up in Piper's pretense. And everyone just sort of lives as if Tom is still among them. People talk to him, they'll like wave him off when he's getting on his boat. Um, it's really sort of like they, they see him, only they don't, like no one does. So a reporter comes to Frick Island on a story that is kind of just something that he feels like is gonna fizzle out. You know, it's not all that interesting. And then he meets Piper and her invisible husband. And he is really intrigued by this, not only because she believes herself to be married to someone that no one can see, but that all these other people on the island go along with it, like little kids will like ask if they can sit with Tom at church. And he's like, doesn't understand, like how does everybody talk to this Tom person only no one can see him? And <laughs> why do they do it? And why are they so protective of Piper and this illusion that she's sort of woven around herself? In order to find the answer, he decides that he's going to make a podcast. And in the podcast, he hopes to discover what sort of prompts this like, just huge thing that's going on on Frick Island with the invisible husband. This book, as I describe it, either sounds really flaky or super creepy, but it isn't actually either of those things. It's just a really, really nice look at sort of what we do for the people we love, even if we don't necessarily understand like why we're doing it. <laughs> um, it is about a community that rallies around one of their own and really tries to take away her pain in kind of an unconventional way. I will say that it's a little bit, like I'm a very logical person. I always want to know like why people do certain things. I know. Um, Christine, my partner will get like really upset with me because to like be telling me something like, well, but why did they do that? And she's like, <laughs> I don't know. And that's not the point. Like, and like, but it is to but me. Why did they do it? <laughs> she's like, I don't know why I didn't ask them. Um, so when I found out like the reason for the pretense at first, I was just kind of like, eh. but if you go with it and just let it nicely unfold, um, it, it's just such a, a lovely story set in a community that I think we could all um, want to be a part of in, in one way or another. This is The Invisible Husband of Frick Island, and it's by Colleen Oakley. It came out at the end of May. I highly, highly recommend it. This yes. book sounds intriguing. I definitely want to read it. Yes, please do. It is so, so excellent. But you know, like, I know this isn't real, but can you imagine, like, the psychological effect of something if this were to, like, truly happen in... Yeah, well, that's kind of what the guy is trying to, like, figure out, the reporter. Like, is this, like, a huge, like, form of psychosis that is, like, swept over this town? <laughs> or, like, why are all these people talking to somebody that they can't see? My first book is 
um, takes place in Scotland, and it is called On Dublin Street, On Dublin Street Number One by Samantha Young, and this is about a young lady named Jocelyn Butler, and her family is taken from her pretty tragically um, when she's a young girl, and she has decided that she doesn't want to live in the States anymore. She wants to get away from her old life and all of that. So she packs up the house, stores everything and moves to Scotland. And this whole living a new life, starting over uh, deal, um, you know, kind of not dealing with her past while thinking she's dealing with her past. Um, is kind of is going pretty well until she moves into a new apartment on Dublin Street. Of course. <laughs> on her way to this new apartment, she meets this guy in, in the cab who kind of ruffles her feathers a little bit in a good and a bad way. Um, he's very handsome like drop dead gorgeous he's in a suit he's fancy um and she likes how he looks but she does not want a relationship she's not interested in anybody romantically she just isn't there yet so unbeknownst to her until later Braden carmichael who was the young man she met in the cab is her roommate's brother. Oh. And she kind of finds this out in a very um, embarrassing way. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, the I book don't with think... like the towel scene where like. Yes. Somebody, she's like. She's comes getting, out she comes out of towel. the bathtub and she's in a towel and she's walking to her room and yeah. there he is standing in the apartment and he kind of gets a full view of everything. Yeah. Um, and she's like, she's kind of like, WTF, what are you doing in my apartment? Where did you come from? <laughs> Go home. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so it all comes out to be that this is her roommate's brother and he, I think he owns the apartment or, or something of that nature and oh. his sister lives there. So, you know, he obviously kind of comes and goes as he pleases. Um, but she did not know this and he did not tell her this. So yeah. since she's not looking for a romantic relationship, she doesn't really want any attachments, but Braden is bound and determined to have her um, however he can get her for now, he kind of <laughs> comes up with this friends, friends with benefits kind of situation, uh, no strings attached um, kind of situation. And Jocelyn's like, you know, okay, this could work. You know, we kind of both get the benefits and there's no commitment, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's her line of thinking. That is not so much Braden's line of thinking. <laughs> Surprise. He's, yeah, he's kind of like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna run this little shenanigan here until you change your line of thinking and you just have to follow your heart. You have no re you have no other choice. <laughs> um 
and it, it's kind of romantic in a way and it's a little crazy at times um, because he's really putting in all the effort and she's like doing everything she can to keep her walls up and, and all of that. It's, it's really a great little romance. Um, I, I've always wanted to visit Scotland and um, if I remember correctly, the narrator does a pretty decent Scottish accent for him, which just makes it all the better. Um, but there is definitely some found family in here since, you know, Jocelyn loses her family. Um, we do find out how later on. It's not clear in the very beginning. But, um, you know, her, her roommate, um, someone she works with, and then Brayden, there's definitely found family and a lot of love, a lot of laughs, a lot of heartbreak, and it's really a great story all the way around. So this is On Dublin Street, On Dublin Street, number one, by Samantha Young. This is one of the many, many romances that came out kind of on the heels of the Fifty Shades of Grey craze. And so I've always been a little bit skeptical of it because I, I'm afraid it, it will kind of remind me of, of all of the strangeness that uh, is no. D.L. James. Okay, no, good. <laughs> no, it will not. <laughs> So my first book for tonight takes place in New Orleans. And when I talk about New Orleans, I have to talk about paranormal. Yes, so we do. my first book for tonight is Magical Midlife Reaping, Reaping oh, Reapers of Crescent City, book one by Jade Alter. So in this book, our main characters are Arla and Axel. So Arla works for the Magical Affairs Office, and she's a reaper. And her job is to keep the peace between the different supernatural factions. Um, meanwhile, Axel he runs a like a tour like a tourist kind of thing so he has like a supernatural tourist um business and he also likes to rip people off so he's kind of been a really big thorn in the side of the magical affairs office and one day he is asked to find a magical mirror which is not really a good thing because this mirror could cause a war, like a supernatural war. So the office has decided that his number is up and they have assigned Arla to take care of him. And Arla has always been one that follows the policies, follows the rules, does all the paperwork, kind of like that kind of person. But she so she really feels like that Axel deserves it like she she's ready to just get rid of him so she decides that the only way that she's going to get the information she needs about this magical mirror because she needs to find out where it is um is to seduce him 
and she really doesn't think much of herself like she doesn't see herself as somebody that guys would be attracted to she more sees her sister as that um but she wants to do this job and because it like it's it's her job right so she decides to use a potion which will give her 13 hours to get the information she needs so she does this and things start happening and you'll have to read it to see what happens but it's a very very it's like a quite a short book so it's one of those books that if you want something to read before bed it's probably the perfect book to read because I think it's like an uh at least for me it was about an hour probably about hour and 40 minutes so this is magical midlife reaping reapers of crescent city book one by jade alter so this whole like paranormal women's fiction thing that has like magical midlife whatever like the kf breen books are magical yep. midlife Victoria Dannon, Shannon yep. Mayer, this one. Yep. So many. Robin many Peterson. Robin Peterman. Is it Peterman? Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. So, my next book takes us to Bombay, but it also takes us back in time. Um, so, you can kind of choose like, do I want to go to Bombay or do I want it to be like 1921? Mm-hmm. Um, both, maybe? I don't know. So, this is The Widows of Malabar Hill. It's Purveen Mystery, book one, by Sujata Masi. And it is a little bit of a, like, historical legal thriller, I guess, if there's such a thing. Um, Purveen is our heroine, and she is the first, and so far the only, female solicitor in Bombay. And she studied law in Oxford. As the story goes on, you kind of learn some more about what prompted her to study law and like why she ended up in England and then back in Bombay. But as the story opens, she is working in her father's law office and she's coming to work and she sees this man sort of loitering outside the building and she doesn't really know why she tries to approach him. He runs away like this. This is sort of a strange encounter. Mm-hmm. So she goes into the office and she's doing her normal work. Her father is in court and she learns that one of his clients has passed away, leaving behind three widows who live in seclusion. So no men that are not related to them are supposed to see them, talk to them, interact with them. And this is kind of a problem because there's all this paperwork that needs to be done. And no one can really do it because all the solicitors are men, except for Praveen. So she takes this case and she goes to meet with the widows. And she wants to kind of lay out like what their options are now that their husband is gone, like what their financial situation is. And as she's doing this, she realizes that they have this kind of slimy, yuckety man who is uh, like a household agent and he's supposed to be looking out for their interests only I don't think that's what he's doing he has a like air quote charitable foundation that he wants them to give their money to Um, I think it's just sort of like him like himself but you know it's fine in my pocket charity yes that one so he wants them (laughs) to like give all this money to him And they don't really know whether they should or they shouldn't. Praveen is pretty sure they shouldn't. 
all of this becomes much more complicated when this craptastic individual ends up dead. And it looks as though one of the widows might have killed him. So Praveen is trying to figure out who did this and why. And she's also trying to stay a couple of steps ahead of the official investigation that's going on because the police are not really interested in finding the truth. They just more want to close the case and be done with it. Mm -hmm. Um, As the story goes on, we do learn more about Praveen. Um, We go back in time to like 1916. Um, And so you kind of have a little bit of like a dual timeline feel as you follow Praveen through the investigation, but also kind of what led her to this point. I really like this. So far, it's the first of two books. Um, I'm hoping that the author will write more because there's not really anything like this on the market that's like historical mystery, you know, with a a woman lawyer set in a time when there really weren't very many women lawyers at all. So this is where there's not a lot. Yes. Yes. And this is one of those books that like does the cultural aspect so, so well. There's like all these details that give it such a rich and layered feeling. Um, You really come to understand more about like all the the cultures that make up like the fabric of India. So this is The Widows of Malabar Hill, Praveen Mystery, book one by Sujata Masi. I read the both um, this book as well as the next book. So oh, like yes. in the next book, they have her going to a palace and she has, I'm pretty sure it's the, the prince they have um they have to she has to help them decide whether he should go to like a school outside of the like outside of the palace or Mm -hmm. if he should continue being like privately tutored and it was it was really good I really really enjoyed it because you got to learn a little bit about like royalty in that country yeah I hope or or at least in that time period like the, the research she must have done like I just I agree yes. with you like you can really see that she's done her research so my second book is called The Present and is the Mallory Mallory Anderson series number six by Joanna Lindsay um Joanna Lindsay is like I would have to say like she's well, she's the first historical romance author that I ever read anything by um, because my mom actually got me this book on cassette tape when I was, I don't know, maybe preteen or early teen years. And it was only, I don't know, maybe right around the time I joined the podcast that I realized it was part of a much bigger series. <laughs> <laughs> But it's always, ever since I found that out and I've read the whole series, it's always been my favorite book. And this book, or this whole series, takes place in London and other, you know, surrounding areas of of England. But this book brings the whole clan together. And there's a lot of them. Um. And it's, it's a beautiful story because this is like, um, I think you would consider this a dual timeline, right? 
since it goes like between the journal and the actual like today yeah. family. Um, because when they're reading the journal, you actually it's not them like reading it, you actually go into that time period or that time and and those characters. Um but it is so good. The whole family has gathered at Haverston, which is uh their oldest brother's homestead um, for Christmas. And this mysterious package or present just shows up one day in the sitting room on a little pedestal and it catches everybody's interest and nobody knows where it's from, who it's from, how it got there, whatever. It, it just showed up. And of course they can't wait to open it. So they open it early <laughs> and they find this journal about the two people that started their, their whole family. Um, and so you learn about Anthony and Anastasia, who were their, I guess, great-great-grandparents. And they find out that there's this older guy who used to be the caretaker for their, their, um, their graves. But now that he's older... Um, and cannot do it. The, the, that job has fallen to his son, but he's still alive. So they go to talk to him about these people to get to know them better. But this journal just gives you so much insight and how their love story came about because Anastasia was a gypsy and Anthony was, uh, I, I believe he was a Marquis or a Viscount. But, um, you know, so he's like high society and Anastasia is this beautiful girl who has come through um, in a wagon train of gypsies and he meets her in their camp one night and all of these, you know, he gets really drunk and um, apparently they get married and he doesn't remember it. And since he doesn't remember it and Anastasia tells him this. And he swears up and down it didn't happen. She kind of slaps him and runs off, which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like my favorite scene. Um, but it just, it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful love story. The whole family, the, the modern family that's not, you know, the journal family. Um, everybody's so loving. They all have their their own romance s- stories in the series. Yes, they but this do. just Yes, and it's beautiful. This just brings the whole family together in a midpoint of the series, and it it's great. Um, there's a lot of love, laughter, um, shenanigans, all kinds of stuff in this family. And it's I just cannot say enough about it. It's my all-time favorite historical romance series. So this is The Present, book six, in the Mallory Anderson series by Joanna Lindsay. And you have to go pick all of them up like right now. So, so good. I want to give a brief content warning here for racialized slurs, because this was written in a time when people called gypsies gypsies and were not always kind to them. Um, And so, whereas I don't think it is, like a huge amount of this I feel like there is there is some um and so if you're you're sensitive to language like that um you might just want to be aware 
So my next book takes place in Ireland. And if you're going to talk about Ireland, you have to talk about a Nora Roberts book. I don't know anybody else who writes Ireland better. It's so true. The book <laughs> that I chose to do for this one is The Awakening. Dragon's Heart Legacy, book one by Nora Roberts. So this the book, second one is out this year. I can't wait. I, I was just looking at that actually earlier yeah, today. Like, yeah, like November. November. Yeah, November 23rd. Because I remember it was just, it's not too far before my birthday. I was just going to say, right in time for your birthday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm excited. So our main character for this book is Breen. And Breen is about 26 years old. And she lives in Philadelphia. And she's not very happy with her life. She's a teacher, but she hates her job. Um, she's an introvert. Her, her mom is not really the best. Like she's very kind of, um, sheltering. Like she didn't really, she didn't really want Breen kind of going out in the world. And so her mom has gone to a spa to get all beautified and she has asked Breen to take care of her house. So she's, going to her house to take care of the plants as well as the cats. And the cats help her discover that her mom has an investment and there's like money that's been put aside from her father who she thought had nothing to do in her life. But she learns that her father has been giving money to her mom for many years. And there's now like $4 million in this account. So she's been struggling. Meanwhile, there's all this money that's been put aside for her. Mm -hmm. So she decides that she is going to go to Ireland because that's just where she feels like she's being called to. And she, she's just, she's decided she's just gonna, she wants to figure out where she wants to go from here. So she asks her best friend, Marco, to go with her and he goes and they have some fun together. And then Marco goes back to the U.S. And she decides that she's going to start a blog. And she's also going to start writing a book or maybe two books. She hasn't really decided. So she's doing that. And then one day she hears a voice calling her. And she heads into the woods and she discovers a portal that takes her to a new realm where she discovers the Fae. And she also learns about dragons and elves. And while there, she meets Keegan. And at the beginning of the book, we have Keegan coming out of the water with a sword. And this is kind of a symbolizing that it's now his turn to take care of the Fae. So like that's his job is to protect the Fae. So um, we meet Keegan and Breen finds him quite interesting. And also in this new, in this realm, she meets her grandmother. Whoa. I know, eh? I thought it was pretty cool. And she's also learning that she's got her own magical powers. 
and she's learning that it's it's kind of her job and it's her time to decide whether she's going to help protect the Fae from her evil grandfather or um because he wants to take like he wants to take over not only the realm of the Fae but also her the realm where she grew up like he wants it all so she's got to decide if she's going to help protect the realms or does she just want to go back to her old life so this book was a lot about kind of like setting the stage and introducing us to the characters um the way that Nora writes about Ireland, it just makes you feel like you've been there. Like I was talking to my husband earlier today and I was talking about how like the way that she writes, you'd almost feel like there's no cities there, that it's all just this magical country and like all these like beautiful scenery. And just, I just, I just can't wait to visit. I just really want to visit. So, so this is The Awakening, Dragon's Heart Legacy, book one, and it's by Nora Roberts. Oh, Nora. I started reading this a while back because it looked so good, and I need to it try was. to read it again because... Because it's it... so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's beautiful. So I, I love Nora. It. I haven't read this, but it looks so amazing. And I loved it. Nora Roberts. I can't wait for number two to come out. So my next book takes us to the remote reaches of Scotland. This is Madam by Phoebe Wynne. This is a very gothic, creepy book set in a Scottish boarding school. And I feel like this, the setting here kind of takes you away from like what you know of like Edinburgh and Inverness, like the places that are famous in Scotland. And it sort of puts you into the more like rural and remote, you know, the the smaller towns, the less populated places. And I really, really appreciated that. So this is the story of Rose, and Rose is 26. She has always been a scholar. She studies the classics, and she has recently gotten a job at this really elite and very mysterious boarding school. And this school hardly ever hires anyone new. Like, they just sort of promote people, people that have been students there, um, people who are, like, part-time teachers, become full-time teachers as things open up. So rarely do they bring anyone in from the outside, but they needed a new head for their classics department. And somehow, and Rose is not fully sure how this happened, they ended up choosing her. And so now she is living this kind of luxurious life in this fancy boarding school where like they pay for your apartment and her mother who is dealing with um, a chronic illness they also like pay for her care in this like really fancy um, kind of like assisted living place. And she's not really sure she likes this. Like she feels like she's kind of given up a lot of the control that she used to have over her life, but she also doesn't know like, what else to do. Like she can't provide this kind of care for her mother. So she feels bad to say, Oh no, I don't want this to happen. You know, she, she kind of goes along with it. But once she 
gets into the swing of things at the school, she starts to realize that bad things might be happening here. She doesn't necessarily know what the bad things are, but things are very, very strange. Like I said, they don't hire people very often. And there's all these sort of secretive meetings that she's not allowed to attend because she hasn't been there very long and she is still on what they call her probationary period. So she doesn't really understand a lot of the traditions. Like this takes place in the 1990s, but the school seems like it's operating way far back in history and not in kind of like the good, charming way that I talked about (laughs) in the Oakley book, but sort of a way that doesn't really believe that women are worth very much. Like they don't, they say that they're here to like promote, um, you know, the, the intellect of women, but that doesn't really seem to be true. They seem to have their own ideas about what it means to be like an upper class, um, successful young woman. Oh, so Rose doesn't really know how she feels about all this, partly because she doesn't understand it and partly because it goes against everything that she's been taught to believe in sort of her modern existence. So she's struggling to fit in, but also to understand exactly what is afoot in this very creepy school. And it is definitely a creepy, creepy book. It's one of the (laughs) best gothics I've read in quite a while. And we don't see too much gothic fiction nowadays. Um, It reminded me a lot of the early works of Phyllis Whitney and Victoria Holt. Um, it just definitely has that, that feel. I don't know how to explain the gothic feel. If you've read a gothic novel that you've loved, um, I'm guessing that you, you understand it. If you don't, I hope you pick this up, or if not this, um, another gothic novel, because they are very, very amazing. This is Madam, and it's by Phoebe Wynn. This is on my TBR, so it's definitely yes. one that I looking forward to reading it's so good i love Mm -hmm. gothic books my third book well i'm going to talk about this as a whole series because it's so fabulous um bootleg springs west virginia Uh, yes it's kind of like it's one of those places that the whole town is family um that you only really see in like small town romance novels yeah pretty much (laughs) um you know they everybody knows everybody everybody knows everybody's business um you know somebody might show up with your at your house with a with a pie with a casserole with cookies just to say hi which in the grand scheme of things would probably drive me nuts, but reading about it is great. I'm not sure I can live in that kind of community. (laughs) No. Like, like, sometimes I'm like, I would love to live with people like this, and then I'm like, no, I can't handle people just showing up on my doorstep like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in an ideal world where I wasn't an introvert, um, it would be a great place to live. Um, But this... This town has, like, two claims to fame. Number one, they make their own moonshine. Hmm. And number two, 
a case of a missing girl who went missing about 12 years ago. And everybody, like, they still put up flyers because they still hope that she will come home. Um, but the main people in this series is a family, the Bodine family. I love that name, Bodine. <laughs> um, and the first book is about Scarlet, and she is the one sister out of four children and she has three brothers and they are very overbearing and very protective um but they all you know they mean well but she's like she's a tomboy she she um runs her own like kind of construction fixer up kind of business she fixes everything that falls apart like so they they call her the tomboy with a tool belt (laughs) um yeah she she loves to cause trouble she loves to meddle um she's just great she's so funny but she's very she's large and in charge um but I guess she kind of has to be when you grow up with three overbearing older brothers. So um, her and her brothers, and then she's got, you know, her best friend who is the town deputy. Um, And it's just this big, huge family. My favorite part of this series is the free range chicken that hangs out downtown. Um, And she just kind of, you know, hangs out, walks down the sidewalk, people talk to her and pet her and just move along. That's hilarious. It's great. Um, I forget. It's some, they call her something McNugget. (laughs) I I forget the exact name of it. You'll have to find uh, the name and maybe I'll name one of my, my checks as that name. It's great. I need to find out, but it's something McNugget and it's just so cute. Um, but she's just this little cute chicken. She doesn't belong to anybody. People just kind of throw scraps. She gets them. She forages, you know, whatever. And people who visit this town, they're like, has somebody lost a chicken? And everybody's like, no, no, she's she's the town chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, it's just so great. Um, you mess with one, you mess with all, um, the Bodine brothers are notorious for kind of doing like initiations. Um, oh dear. Hey, they, they love to haze people, but it doesn't get horrible. <laughs> um, but it, it's great. And each book in this series is about a different Bodine member, or um, there is one about the, the town sheriff. Um, and then they, there's also some found family in here because they actually, the Bodines did not know that they had a half brother and he shows up um, oh dear. a little way in, but you know, they eventually accept him and it, it's great. Um, so this series is written by Lucy score and Claire Kingsley and they, they alternate um, between books. So Lucy score writes the first one, then Claire, then Lucy and oh, okay. I, yeah, so it, it, I love that 
even though it's two different authors writing these stories, you would never know it if you didn't look at the authors. That's it interesting. fits together so seamlessly and just amazing writing. There's no change between characters from book to book. It, it's great. Um, I've only gotten up to book four because they're not all in audio yet. So I've only gotten up to book four, but I'm definitely going to finish the series. And everybody has to read it. It's got that small town charm thing that just kind of makes me feel like um, more of a redneck version of Stars Hollow. (laughs) (laughs) If you like Gilmore Girls and Stars Hollow, it's kind of a redneck version of Stars Hollow. It's it's great. Um, So this series is called Bootleg Springs. The first book is called Whiskey Chaser. And it is written by Lucy Score and Claire Kingsley. I have the first one on my iPad. It is so charming. It reminds me a little bit of the Beard series by Penny Reed, like the Winston Brother books, just in the way that you describe it and the way that Stacey and Sarah talk about it. I haven't heard of Um, them. Oh, it's like, you know, kind of the same thing, like, the group of sort of overbearing like redneckish brothers and like the mm-hmm. one sister um and the really close family and in, in the small town um seems like they have some similarities oh one thing i forgot to mention um so you know the the store build-a-bear oh yes. yeah so in bootleg springs they have build a shine and you can go in and kind of mix up your own glass of moonshine. <laughs> oh. And it yeah, it's it's called build a shine and you just yeah, you go in and I mean there's all the different flavors of moonshine and you can mix whatever you want together and build your own oh, shine. Dear. That would be <laughs> That's terrible. So scary. That's great. <laughs> My next book is going to take us to Alaska. Yay. Yeah. I like Alaska. Me too. So my book is Thin Ice, Alaska Wild Mysteries, book one by Paige Shelton. And our main character's name is Elizabeth Rivers. And she is, she's got the coolest job. She is a well-known thriller author. And she writes under the name... Oh, sorry. Her name is Beth Rivers. So she goes as Beth Rivers. Um, But she goes under the name Elizabeth Fairchild. And she she lives in St. Louis. And she has this, like, obsessed fan that kidnaps her. And she's stuck in a van for, like, three days. And she gets amnesia, but she escapes. And she gets amnesia, so she doesn't, she's not able to tell the police, like, describe the person to the police or anything. And she can't really tell them enough that they can find him. So she takes off and she decides to go hide in Alaska because, like, who's going to find you there, right? So she goes to this remote community, and I'm actually not sure if it's real, but it's called Benedict. And... 
unbeknownst to her, like she doesn't realize this, but she reserves a room in a halfway house. Oh, I don't think I you're supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but she, so she returns a room in a halfway house. And this is like the first time that she feels safe. Like you wouldn't really think that that would be the case, but like, she's been so scared that like this halfway house just makes her feel great. And she's looking for a job and um, being a writer, she decides that she's going to apply for a job and she becomes like the town's only or like village or whatever you would call it. They're only journalist. So she's going to do all the reporting. And so she has that job. And in the book, we meet a lot of the different characters. They have all these like quirkiness and they all seem to be running away from their own things, which I thought was really interesting. So it kind of reminded me of Kelly Armstrong and her book um, and her like um, Rockton series, how they're all kind of running away from their own things. And yes, they're all in like, in a northern community. So like it kind of reminded me of that. So pretty much like right when she arrives, a woman is found dead. Oh. And she's kind of worried that Levi, yeah, the guy, like the guy that <laughs> like the guy that um that she's hiding from, she's worried that like maybe he could be the person that killed this woman. Ooh. So she's pretty like, yeah, so she's pretty scared. Um, but to make herself feel better, she decides that she's going to investigate. So I really, really like this book. Like um, the atmosphere was great. Um, I loved how Paige Shelton wrote about like, Alaska like you really felt like you were there and you felt like you could be part of this community and like you felt like you knew these people so this is Thin Ice and it's Alaska Wild Mysteries book one and it's by Paige Shelton and it's actually a cozy mystery which I didn't completely realize because it's kind of um I feel like there's a bit more to it than the, the typical cozy mystery, but you definitely don't like see the violence. Like um, one thing with cozy mysteries, the violence is always like off scene, like off the page. Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely say that that happens here. So I guess that's kind of where you get the cozy mystery from. So my last book at the time of recording has not been released. However, This episode will air on June 4th, and this book will be out on June 1st. Therefore, I'm only cheating a tiny bit. (laughs) (laughs) This is Dead Dead Girls. It is a Harlem Renaissance mystery, book one, and it is by Nikesa Afia. This takes place in 1926 Harlem, and I really, really like New York. Um, I Me spent too. some time. I spent some time in 2009 through 2012 living um, in a small Long Island town, and I spent some time in New York City, but never actually in the part of New York that is known as Harlem. And I've always thought that culturally, it's just such a cool place. So that is why I'm talking about it here. 
So this is the story of Louise Lloyd. She is a young black woman in 1926. She's working as a waitress. Um, she's kind of trying to outrun her past. Ten years before, she was abducted and managed to escape by killing her abductor. But this has caused her a lot of problems, both like just in her own mind, but also in the way that people relate to her. She is a lesbian, although in 1926, you kind of keep that like under wraps, um, but we get to see a lot of really cool stuff on the page um, between her and her girlfriend. Um, but she is kind of in a difficult position because close to the beginning of the book, she finds the body of another young black woman right outside the cafe where she waitresses. Oh. So she is sort of swept up in this investigation. The police detective who's in charge of it seems to have some knowledge of Louise's past. And unfortunately he kind of uses this to blackmail her. So she oh. has two choices and none of them are very good choices. She can either help him solve the case or he will put her in jail for a reason that I'm not fully sure of. Um, but it seems to be a good enough reason that she believes this will happen. So she really? is now caught up in this investigation of missing Black teenagers. And this, of course, brings up a lot of memories of kind of what happened to her 10 years ago. And so we get to see a little bit in the prologue, like that experience for her. But then we also see through like some flashbacks and just some kind of remarks that she makes, the ways in which that event from her past is still very much with her. I have not finished this yet, although I'm almost done with it. It is incredibly well done. Um, Harlem is just such a, a, a busy, well-drawn place. Um, you get to see all of the culture, all of the things that sort of sets it a little bit apart from like what we normally think of as New York City. Um, it definitely has that 1920s feel in terms of like gangsters and speakeasies. Oh, so um, cool. Yes, it's just really, really awesome. It comes out on June 1st um, and it is Dead Dead Girls, Harlem Renaissance Mystery, book one by Nikessa Afia. I want this book. I love old time New York. Like yes, I really, I think really like it a lot. Yeah. I almost like it probably as much as I like books about New Orleans, like books about oh. New Orleans, anything about New Orleans, I got to read it. And I almost feel the same about like old time New York. So my last book is actually what I'm reading currently um and it is called the stepsisters by susan mallory um this book takes place in la and it is about uh three women um the main character is her name is daisy and her she has two children and her husband jordan and then Daisy's father was once married to a uh, not-so-nice woman named Joanne, who had a daughter at the time named Sage. 
And when Daisy's father married Joanne, you know, Daisy was very excited to be getting a stepmother and a stepsister. Um, she lost her mom. I'm not really, she passed away, but I, we don't know why. Um, so she, you know, she was, you know, happy to be getting an older sister and kind of a mother figure. Oh dear. But it kind of didn't turn out that way. Joanne never liked her. She never understood why. Sage kind of um, turned people against her. Sage always used her beauty and her outgoing personality and everything to put more intellectual, um, uh, you know, book smart Daisy down oh and then um their parents had cassidy and cassidy was very very young when um when their parents split and the they never really all got along so they kind of just went their separate ways stopped talking to each other really kind of hated each other um yeah it's really sad um but then cassidy is in a really bad accident um she is a traveling journalist she's she writes for a travel magazine i believe and she is uh she's flown back home because she takes a tumble off of a mountain oh. and breaks her leg and her arm and, you know, gets pretty bumped up. Ooh. And Daisy's father kind of calls her and he's like, oh, well, Cassidy was in a bad accident and I'm bringing her, uh, you know, I'm flying her back home. She's going to have the best medical care, but she's going to be staying with you. Oh, oh. by the way. Uh, yeah, and Daisy's don't like, mind. yeah, like I haven't talked to these people in years, and you want her <laughs> to stay in my house, but you know, okay. Um, <laughs> so Daisy's also going through a lot of turmoil of her own. Her marriage is kind of falling apart, and she doesn't quite understand what's going on with that because one day her husband just kind of up and moves out and texts her. And tells her that he's going to be moving into a hotel for a few days. And she's like, okay, what is going on here? And then her stepsister, Sage, has popped up into the picture. And she's always, you know, been the kind of the mean stepsister. um, (laughs) All of that. And so, but because Cassidy is their mutual, you know, younger sister they kind of feel like they have an obligation. Well, Sage, definitely. But Daisy kind of feels like she has an obligation to help Cassidy and um, provide whatever care she can and support, even though she's not always gotten along with her. And a lot of family secrets kind of come out in this book. Um, A lot of things that have been held back um on all of their parts and they kind of find each other again i'm not quite done with this book yet i'm about halfway through but it is a really 
well-written story of, you know, family that may not be blood in every way, but they have their own demons to fight and then they have mutual demons to fight and they all end up having to kind of come together, not having to, but they do come together to kind of, you know, create a relationship and be the family that they always wanted to be, but weren't able to be. So I'm really, really enjoying this book and it's not my typical read as anybody who frequently listens to this podcast knows. (laughs) I am a big fantasy person, but this book is really, really touching. Um, It is called The Stepsisters by Susan Mallory. And I believe it was just released uh, yesterday, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, it It was just released yesterday. Along with uh, Frick Island. Yes. So I, um, it's, it's definitely on audible. It's read by Tanya Eby, I believe is her name. Ah, yes. Um, who also reads, uh, another Susan Mallory book, The Vineyard at Painted Moon, which is she also a, lot a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah. I really like Susan Mallory. Now that I've, you know, read a couple books by her, I really, really do like her. Okay. So I will wrap us up. Yes, you so will. I- yeah, mm-hmm. so my final book takes us to Paris. Paris. And Paris is very much the, for me, like I think of it as the city of art, um, the city of love. And like, so I felt that I needed to read a love story. So I am reading, and I am actually still reading it. Someday in Paris, and it's by Olivia Lara. So our main characters are Dominique and Alexander. So Dominique and Alexander, they meet when Dominique was 15 and Alexander wasn't much older. Like he's probably like 16, 17 And they met in, I want to say, I think it was 1954. And they meet in an an art museum. And there's like a power outage. So they can't see each other, but they can talk. They just talk. So they talk for like an hour. And they have no idea what what each other's look like. So they're just chatting. They're chatting about art. They're chatting about specific artists. They're chatting about life in Paris. They're just having a great time. They just have this great connection. And then they take, like, they go off in their separate ways. And there's always just this feeling that something's missing. And then they, over the next 20 years, they, like, they keep crossing paths but they don't really know so they never actually reconnect like they they keep crossing paths like um so alexander he keeps thinking about her and he's at he goes to like this boarding school and he decides he's gonna go and he's going like they've been sending letters back and forth right so he decides he's gonna go visit her so she's waiting for him to come visit 
and some things happen and he ends up not being able to get to connect with her because he gets caught like um he joined this like tour with these other boys in another class and pretend to pretend that he's one of the class just so he could get to <laughs> where she where she lives but he gets, he gets caught by his art teacher and then obviously yes. he can't go on the trip right because like that's not, not what supposed, you're supposed to, to do, do that <laughs> exactly so she's like waiting for him and he doesn't show up and then when she gets home like her mom is supposed to be home by now but she finds out that her mom was in a bus crash and has died oh yeah so she ends up moving to the u.s with her aunt and Alexander doesn't know this, and this is going to be a little confusing, but Alexander thinks that Dominique's name is actually Zara, because that was like a nickname that people called her, so she always went by that name until her mother died. So once her mother died, she couldn't go by that name anymore, because it was a name that her mom called her, and she just, she couldn't help it. Like, she couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, And What's going to be even more complicated is Dominique thinks that Alexander's name is Liam or Leon, sorry, Leon, which was actually like, I think it was like, it is his name, but I feel like it's his first name or something um, or his middle name and like gives his father's name. But like we find out in the story that his father, like, did all these bad things and like made all these bad investments and like didn't do things properly. So like his family loses all of their fortune. So, and then his father ends up committing suicide. So he decides that he wants nothing to do with his father. Like he just wants, he wants to shed all like attachments to his father's memory. So he goes back to his name of Alexander. So like that kind of creates some complications so as we're going on, like we're, we're following the lives of these two people over a 20 year period. And what I did forget to mention is the way that the stories are, at least Dominique's stories being told is Dominique at the beginning of the book, we meet her and she's like in her eighties and she's talking to her granddaughter. Oh, okay. about Yeah. So her granddaughter had, like talks to her grandma about having this like dream about a man and she doesn't know much about this man but she feels like there's some kind of connection and there's this history of the women in this family where they have dreams about like kind of like their soul like their um oh like their soulmate But, like, in some cases, some of them just ignore it and just go on with their lives, always thinking there's something missing, but they don't really kind of go after it. But, like, Dominique, she was determined that she was going to find this person. So I'm not actually completely done the book. So at the point that I'm at, so I'm, like, about, like, 40% of the way in, she has met a friend of Alexander and Vincent so his name is Vincent Vincent knows all about Dominique because Alexander told him about her 
and how he was like obsessed with trying to find her and he wanted he felt like the world just wasn't going to be complete without him without her story so the reason that Vincent is kind of like going after Dominique is because Alexander and Vincent have a friend named Nicole and she is has always been in love with Alexander but she was back when they were younger she was dating Vincent and Vincent feels as though Alexander stole Nicole from him so now he is going to steal Dominique from him so like in this one situation, like they're, um, so they've been dating for a while, her and Vincent and then Alexander and Nicole are dating. And then they, this is another spot where they connect. Um, Dominique is working as a, I think an art curator or something like that at a gallery. And Alexander, they're at like an ex, she's putting on an expedition, an exhibit, what's exhibition? Expose? Expose, whatever. I can never remember the word, but yeah, so you guys get what I'm talking about. So he's, she's helping to put on this and Alexander and Nicole come as one of the like patrons and her and Alexander like see each other across the room and there's just this like connection. And they don't know why. And like Alexander like walks towards her and like is just about to kiss her. And then, but he doesn't know why he's doing this, but he just about to kiss her. And then Nicole's like calls him from a distance or something. And like, obviously like the spell is broken. And so they, yeah. So like situations like this, they still don't know that they are Zara and Leon. So I'm really hmm. looking forward to seeing mm-hmm. how it all ends. And like a lot of people, they kind of compare this book to the notebook. So it's very much a slow burn, um, kind of a, I guess we'd call it a saga. Like it's very like a lot of story and backstory. And like you follow these two people and you get to see like where they're, where they're at, where they've been and where they're going and like just all these different spots where they've connected, but never, never actually get together. So I'm really looking forward to seeing like how it all, how it all ends. Like, will they get together? Will it be a loving ending? So I'm probably looking forward to it. So this is Someday in Paris and it's by Olivia Lara. Excellent. It's very much, it looks like a Stacy book to me. I was going to say, I, I think Stacy would like this as long as it ends yeah, the right excellent. way. Because I'm pretty mm. sure it does end. Like from reading a couple of the, the reviews, it looks like it probably does end on a good note. So I'm, I'm really okay. looking forward to seeing how it all wraps up. All right. So that does indeed wrap us up for tonight. Thank you to Kristen and Brooke for joining me on this sort of virtual journey to all the places that we would like to visit. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing. And thank you so much to each and every one of you who join us every week as we talk about all kinds of fantastic books.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.